And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. So welcome to The Approach podcast, episode number 29. Do we still have WrestleManias for that? Uh, yeah, we still got a little ways to go. Okay. Uh, we're in Jersey this time. How do you know that? Do you look that up before the podcast? Just Actually, I didn't. That's insane. So who do we have on the podcast today? We have Matt Nichols on the podcast today. That's exciting. There's a lot a lot of questions. We'll just put it this way. A lot of hard-hitting questions. We'll leave it at that. Well, so, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> how do you, how do you, how do you think Matt that? heard that one, so we're going to get him in the podcast now, and uh, we'll start the podcast. Hey, Matt. Hey, how's it going? It's, uh, it's nice to be here. Um, I really didn't think it was real until actually now, because Danny <laughs> was uh, in his infinite glory, kept beating around the bush at... Oh, no, we're actually getting somebody else. I did. I did say that. And I was... Actually, when he told me, I was in the car on Friday night going up to Academy with... uh, This is a great car ride, by the way, with Craig Holbrook, Bobby Witt, and Chris Harris. Driving up in a car with them to Academy. And that's like three really good bowlers and Matt Nichols. Exactly. (laughs) Three really good bowlers and a guy who's only known for denting the floor at Exeter. (laughs) And apparently not eating salads. Yeah. So how how did that come to be, that you hate salads so much? Oh, that's just an inside joke with uh, me and Josh. You know, dressing is delicious. It is. I really like Greek salad and Greek dressing. So I do eat salads, by the way. So that is a uh, a myth? That is is a myth. (laughs) Matt Nichols will eat uh, some salad. He will toss up some salad. Yes, sometimes <laughs> I will toss salad. So, we're, you know, we've talked to some of the people that, you know, been in the Hall of Fame, some of the young guns. You're a guy, I mean, how old are you? 23. 23. You're a young guy. Um, you've had a pretty solid career as of as of uh, so far, but you're also getting more into, like, the tournament aspect of it. When did you decide, like, you were going to start trying to get more bowlers from the South Shore, um, bowling, getting more tournaments out there, and things like that? So, when I first turned 18, the first thing I wanted to do was bowl as many things as I could possible. Just yeah. because I was like, wow, I can finally bowl all these things. <laughs> but I come to find out, for me, until last year, the closest one was actually Outrun the Bear, which is 45 minutes from my house. I wasn't so. the first person to bring that up on a podcast. I just want to it, it will have to get a ding, though. Yeah. <laughs> I added ding to the last episode. Did you? <laughs> so Outrun the Bear was the, first, yeah, the, the closest tournament to me, and it was still yeah. 45 minutes. And I just thought... There's a lot of people that bull where I am that think, oh, even Millis is too far to go. Right. There's a lot of people that are still good bowlers there, too. So I wanted to kind of bring that competitive aspect to my area. Yep. So that's kind of why I started doing it. <laughs> now, what, what tournaments have you run so far out of different houses or Timber specifically? Timber is the only house that I've run something out of and both of them were well before it was known as the South Shore Classic it was the doubles three out of five so those are the only two that I've gone through and ran I've had other ideas that kind of fizzled out or I'm figuring new dates out so So we'll talk about one that that hasn't gone through yet um, that that you're interested in the Triple Crown I believe is what you had called it. Oh, the triathlon. The triathlon. triathlon. Yeah. Tri- so, Triple Crown was the uh, 5, 10, 20 at Lita. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the triathlon was five games of candle pin, five games of duck pin, five games of 10 pin. Which I think is a fantastic idea. Yeah. Now you, Jeremy, you bowled 10 pin as well, right? I mean, not only. I mean, I did one summer just like going drinking with a buddy. Actually, Jake's dad. <laughs> but, <laughs> Hi, Jake's dad. But it was, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. We got a bowling ball at the end of the summer and it was, it was great. So we I, ate it on one side. Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah, I figured. 
And the reason I wanted to do that is because we're in such a unique area where we have three different forms of bowling all right. within an hour drive of us. Right. And there are three definitely different groups of people that all we're all still doing bowling. It's yeah. just a different size ball, a different size pin. See, and that, and that's what kind of annoys me. Like, just I love all kinds of bowling. It doesn't matter to me. Like, I mean, I understand the ones that go, "Kettle okay, pins the greatest." You know what? It is. It's it, it'll always be my love, my passion, and all that stuff. But I'm not going to completely forget that the other two ex- like exist. Oh yeah, and I feel the same way with that because I hear it from all three sides now that I'm. You do that. I'm committed to I bowl. 10-pin subbing, but I'm still in a league. I right. bowl a duck-pin league once a month, and I Where's, bowl candle pin. Where's the closest duck-pin place? Is it North Attleboro? Uh, Rhode Island. Johnston, Rhode Island, too. Oh. Uh, Johnston, Rhode Island has one. For me, personally, uh, Dudek Lanes in Warren, Rhode Island is the closest. So, was, uh, is the place in Warwick still, still around? Meadowbrook? I don't remember which one that, There was another one. Maybe it was called Legion. Max? I don't know. There's, I don't know. I'm just getting into yeah. the whole duck-pin <laughs> thing. I don't know what houses existed before. But it's been fun so far. It's different, but it's fun. I think the reason, I mean, you, you look at it, it kind of happens with all sports, right? Like some, you, if you're a baseball fan, you crap on, you know, football because baseball is a pure sport. And it even goes as far as you said, we're all doing the same thing. You talk to a guy, a boxing promoter, and bring up UFC, he's going to not be thrilled with you. Oh, of course. Because, and it's almost, I think to an extent, people feel like you're cheating on them, you know? You're, you're a candlepin bull, you're one of our guys, and then you go do... And it's like you're sleeping with somebody else. It's like you're supposed to be one of us. Where are you going? And, and I, I think too, it's because we don't have the numbers that we have. Maybe if this was the '80s, people wouldn't be as mad. But I think because we need the bowlers now, people are afraid that it's like, no, you're gonna fall in love with somebody else. Like, <laughs> but I mean, you're, he's still doing candlepin, though. It's not like he left candlepin. We're afraid. And it's kind of part of the reason also why I wanted to get all three types of bowling more involved in each other. Right. They're all struggling, yes. just mm-hmm. on different scales. Obviously, 10-pin, there's just so many more places. Right. But there's still a lot of places that are closing every year, and they're losing membership every year. Duckpin's the yeah. same way. Where did we go? 2017, we had the ICBA meeting, um, and we had somebody from the DPA, I think it was. Or D- I for, yeah, I forget her name. I don't know. The, yeah, but uh, I, for, yeah, I don't remember her name either. I'm sure we But, but she came up from, like, Maryland, Maryland or something yeah. like that. And she she discussed some of the, the Duckpin issues, and she said, we're closing houses faster than Candlepin is. So yeah, it's bowling as a whole. Yeah, the whole industry is, is getting whacked, like you're saying. Absolutely. And I think having something where we show who is the best of all three all around yeah. could potentially bring bowling more together and we could work together and maybe bring it back. Because at the end of the day, it's all the same thing. Yeah, right. I mean, if we could piggyback on 10-pin, I think that would be good for us, too, especially because they have the notoriety. They have the notoriety, the sponsorships, yeah. just having so much where you can pull it together. And I know when the PBA goes up to Maine, they usually do Next something. Next time they go up there, I am making a point to go. Are you? To, to go with the Bay State Bowl, I think it is. Uh, Bayside Bowl in Bayside, Portland, yeah. Bayside Bowl. That's they have a taco truck on the roof, and it's really good, I've heard. So <laughs> I'm going up there, too. But, like, I was I was watching some of the stuff on ESPN from this last time, like the, the Empress of the Lanes, like, uh, like Emperor of the Lanes, like, tournament, stuff yeah. like that. It was, like insanity like the crowd was nuts like even like while they're getting ready to, it's not an actual like tournament it was like a gimmick tournament okay but like i mean they have people like along like the lanes like the guys are getting ready to like bowl they're screaming they're yelling like it was like happy gilmore i was looking at pictures of uh was it is it turn hall the one out in adams 
uh, I think but Steve so, yeah, Reno yeah. was pushing a tournament for at one point. I know it's like a four lane yeah. house. Well, there's that place and then there's one in Holyoke. But. Well, there was there's a whole runway basically down like lane one. I thought that'd be yeah. great for like an audience. He's like, unfortunately, there's no room behind the bowler, but down the side you'd be able to get plenty of people in there. Yeah. And yeah. I think that it's really good that bowling's turning into something like that because you can go and look. I think it was 20, 25 years ago. You can hear Randy Peterson screaming at some guy for. I don't even know what he was doing in the audience. Yeah. And they just want complete silence. Oh, yeah. I think it's nice to get people involved and yeah. pumped up. and. Right. I mean, not, we're not doing golf. I mean, I got yelled at, like, Sean Taylor and I went to a, a PBA tournament in Connecticut once, and we were along the side. We were in the top row of the bleacher, and I had my jacket hanging up, like, on the thing. It's out of television view. Like, the camera was nowhere near it, and I got yelled at to take my jacket down. Jeez. <laughs> And then he dropped his souvenir pin that he bought on the approach from like 10 feet up. <laughs> so these are the people that Matt Nichols wants us to, to deal with. Hey, if it gets more people no, involved. So so what were some of the um, the successes you had starting to build that up and then some of the pitfalls that ended up uh, postponing it? So it was really difficult finding dates that all three didn't have something major or yeah. big going on. And... This summer was bizarre as it far was. as tournaments go. It, it really was. And I think that's most of the reason why I was just a victim of poor timing. Yeah. It's because once everything opened up, everybody and their brother wanted to host a tournament. Yeah. Everyone yeah. wanted to bowl as much as they could because they didn't bowl for six months. Right. And the centers were trying to get anybody. I mean, we were doing one, two, three skins. We did like four out on the Bears in like a three month. Oh, yeah. Stand. I, I was how coming is, here every week. How much is still that jackpot? Seven. No, no, Corey, no. Corey hit it once. Oh, I'm trying to think of what it, what's in there. I have it. 320. 320? I have it. Oh, yeah, I back still have it. I have it earmarked and everything. So I'm hoping to bring it back in the in the summer again. But yeah, we have the jackpot at 320. Still have it. Is that a test to see if I if I was holding on to that cash? Honestly, no. I was just trying to think of what, what the jackpot was. What jackpot, had. Jeremy? We don't have a jackpot. <laughs> yeah, we had a jackpot if you hit uh if you won the first, second, and third string, you would win uh Corey hit it for like 600 bucks, didn't he? He hit it for a decent amount, yeah. yeah. So that was... I think I came close a few times. I had like these really big one ball and two ball, and then all of a sudden, where he had thrown a throw normal like a game, I'd throw an 80 or a 90. Yeah. I think I there was one time I threw a 110 and two pin and like an 85 with three. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Eric had a day where he <laughs> threw like 88 for two and 88 for three or something something similar like that, where yeah. it was like, okay, well, I thought I was bowling well. So. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you have Bob Lee sitting there telling you what your maximum score would have been if you had all three balls. Well, think of it. If you got spared every time, those were your fills. I'm like, oh, just catch, okay, throwing the ball. Yeah. So I got a <laughs> lot of ball. interest yeah. with the triathlon. I still do, but... Now, do you know... Our, so obviously, Candlebin Chat, um, we talked to Fuller last week about yep. it. Do those exist for Duckpin and for, like regional 10-pin groups? For Duckpin and 10-pin, yes. Yeah. I, I joined... There's a Duckpin Bowling Global Network. Okay. And I just... I know people within that community who were able to spread the word better for me. And yeah. I know a lot of people who bowl 10-pin that are able to spread the word for me. I actually had 20-something people from 10-pin signed up to bowl. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I had more people for 10-pin than people for Canopin signed up, and we were bowling Canopin here. Right. At Ryan's. And unfortunately, there was a, another tournament the same day, and I lost over half of them, and I just couldn't get anything going, so I decided to delay it. Yeah. Now you have uh, your your last tournament that you just had over at Timber. What was that like running that doubles tournament? 
it was much easier now without all the COVID restrictions. Last year, I had to max it out. We could only use every other lane. Yeah. And so that was only, at that time, they still had 24 lanes. So it was 12 lanes times two teams on a lane, 24 teams. Now I had, they took two lanes out. I still had 22 lanes, but I could use all 22. What are they now. doing with the other two? Of the they turned it into an arcade. Okay. So one and two are now an arcade. Now, Jeremy, I don't know if you know this. When I was a kid, and this was Millis Bowl, they were going to take out lanes uh, 16 through 22 when it was Millis Bowl and really? have the arcade wrap all the way around. Wow, like Harky was going to do that? Yeah. Or? That was one of the t- that was one of the rumors that they were going to because the bowling wasn't there. They wanted to add to the arcade because they had the pool tables, so they didn't have enough room for the arcade. They were going to put it down the wing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, PJ has said. Our, you know, our old boss, if Fairway didn't close and if Fico's didn't close, we'd be a split house right now. Yeah. The only thing saving us right now is our leagues. He 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 fought Jimmy Ryan like crazy. He goes, yeah, I'm going to split it. He goes, don't do it. He goes, I'm telling you, within the next three years, two of those places are going to close. Yeah, we got very fortunate. I mean, it's, it sucks to lose houses. But with, Absolutely. But with Fico's and... But uh, the good thing is we didn't... The game didn't really lose the bowlers. Right, a lot of those bowlers transferred over, so... And that's a similar situation for Timber. Timber... We used to have Viking in East Bridgewater. Yeah. Hanson was more open. They're yeah. still open, but not very much. Yeah. Uh, we're potentially losing Hingham this year. But where's the, where's the place in Hingham? Uh, the Country Club, actually. It's oh, in yeah, a golf yeah. course. Okay. Yeah, okay. How many lanes do they have? Uh, ten. Do they have any, like, competitive leagues or anything like They that? do. They have a Thursday night league that actually I subbed in once, and uh, the great Don Richmond bowls in that. Yeah? So I got to sub with him. That's somebody we have to have on, too. Absolutely. He's Paul, got them stories. Uh, stories. Paul um, Newman gave me his Donnie's number, so I got to give him a call. Wasn't he on Facebook for a while or no? I don't think Donnie was ever on Facebook. How did he sign up for Run the Bear? Or Chicky. Probably called, yeah. Probably Chicky. Or JoJo called him. Or Genie. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Yeah, that's what it But every time, like, he would call the ball and be like, hey, I want to sign, sign me up. up. Yeah. One he, of the nicest guys in the history of, like, the game. Right, for sure. Well, that was, so when Outrun the Bear had started, you know, we didn't get these, you know, top flight bowlers and anything. And when I first met uh, Don, I didn't realize how good of a bowler, like, how because he was just normal guy. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, great tournament. Had a lot of fun. Thank you. And then I come to find out how great of a, you know, bowler uh, in the history of that. Like, I didn't really know any of that stuff. I When we started the tournament, I don't know who anybody was. I tell people, like, Jeff Sarek could have told me his name, punched me in the face, and I would have turned to Jeremy and be like, who is that? I had no idea who anybody was. So My 12-year-old daughter knew who he was. Yeah, well, <laughs> she does more than I do. What can I tell you? And it's funny because Donnie's probably one of the quietest guys. Yep. Yeah. Really nice, really soft-spoken, but when he's up bowling, yeah, he can get really angry when he's not bowling as good as he knows he can. <laughs> and I've seen him. I'm like, wow, I, I never would have expected that out of him. <laughs> well, that's what, what you're seeing now with a lot of the guys. You know, I think you've said it, Jeremy. Decline, I think, has the second or third highest average in the house, and he's you know, bullshit that it's not, you know, a 128. Because no, five years ago, he was averaging 125, no problem. Yeah. But we never had a 125 bowler out of this house. We had Leggy for a little bit. Even so, 121? No. Remember that one year Leggy started out like the first Yeah, like, but I'm half talking the... like when you get to the end of a season. I don't think I th- he, f- he finished with at least a 24. All right, we're looking that up. Because, I mean, he was averaging 128 into January. He was, yeah, was... He was bowling out of his mind. That was because he bowled against me when he threw his 454. Is that our high right now? For 
triple. Yeah, I mean, our records are very sus- suspect. We only started them like four or five years ago. They run a very sus. Uh, yeah, they're sus. Business <laughs> here. So now the next big tournament you have, um, and then I think this is going to probably wrap up the tournament section of it. You're doing one here. Uh, it's a tournament I've never heard of anything like this before, but I, I love the concept. Uh, and I, if I don't say the name of it, uh, Kate will divorce me. Uh, roll into the oldies. Yes, rolling to the oldies. Kate graciously came up with that name for me because I'm terrible at names. I did not come up with the South Shore Classic either. That was a name I was told we were running with, and I loved it. So. Yeah. Now, is yeah. there going to be at least oldies music involved here? I mean, we have serious Because I feel like it has to be at this point. I'd I mean, be very disappointed. I'm sure we can put some classics up on the on the radio. <laughs> but what's classic now? Like, you listen to oldies and they put 90s on there. Uh, yeah. That's no, classic for me. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, what I'm thinking is, like, all right, we're going to be bowling to, like, the Everly Brothers and, like, Neil Sedaka and I have no problem with Elvis. any of that. I don't think many people want to bowl to Gordon Lightfoot or anything. <laughs> uh, I'm all set on that. I don't want to hear the Edmund Fitzgerald while I'm trying to hit a I'm spare. I'm actually very impressed. I was about to say I was impressed he pulled the name out. <laughs> So where did you get the idea for a tournament like that? So I bowled a summer league, a 10-pin league at Brockton with my friend who's a really good 10-pin bowler. And uh, I saw they had a flyer. And they actually have something called the Semba, which is the, it's a older person's tour for 10-pin. And they did a trios. They called it the Swiss trios. Yep. And for them, they had someone, I believe, under 40, someone 40 to 60, someone 60 and over. But Jeremy, you can bowl on that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a great idea because it if you haven't noticed a lot of people tend to bowl with the same people yes. all the time and I really think something like this kind of forces you to get to know other people right who aren't even in your age range yeah I mean luckily for me I'm bowling with my dad and uh, Chris Jones I, I already know them I both. will say that I've noticed like in the pro in the pro series events um, a lot of events, people are starting to... Like, I noticed, like, Craig Holbrook's bowling with Amanda Carroll in the, one of the next events. Like, it's kind of cool. Craig seems like he's bowling with somebody different almost every single time. He bowled with you last year, I think, and that was a first for you, right? Uh, well, he bowled, with, he bowled with me at Portsmouth this right. year, but he also bowled with me at Academy. That was the second time I bowled with him. But it, it's it, it, you're starting to see some mix, but I do agree, for the most part, you see the same pair of people going every time, and usually they're world's partners and everything else. So. And it's funny you talk about the Pro Series, because I was looking at today, because it's this weekend in uh, Lita. I'm bowling with Tim Douglas, but I was looking at some of these names, and all of a sudden now this year, I'm starting to notice a lot of different names. Which is great. Uh, Sam Ladotti. I'm probably That's what wrong I've been saying, that. but maybe it's been uh, wrong this whole Justin Lyonnais has come out of nowhere. Yeah. He won, did he win Exeter? He was on the, he was on team with Holbrook, yeah. Right, Holbrook and I think Lou Gacharno won. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was happy for Lou. Yeah. There's just a lot of people that are kind of starting to come out of the woodwork that are moving up, and a lot of them probably were in that semi-pro range, and they're starting to venture out into the scratch stuff, which is right. really good to see. I told Jeremy the story. I don't know if you, you had heard the story. Uh, one of your guys at a timber, Chris McDonough, was up at um, Portsmouth, and he threw like, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I want to say he threw a 649 up there. That sounds right to me, but I could be wrong. I sent him a Facebook message. So he bowls in the ACSD semi-pro. I never knew who he was before then. Um, but it, uh, that's a guy that he's bowling against better competition. He's getting his name out there more. I think he's going to be on, you know, bowling a lot more pro stuff pretty soon if he wants to. Well, I told you, like, he came into practice because he signed off for Outrun the Bear. Ding. Um, <laughs> 
and I was like, I've never seen this guy before, but he yeah. throws a great ball. He's lefty, right? Lefty, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, why don't you like do you bowl in a league? He's like, yeah, I bowled down to like uh, I can't remember if he said Timber or Union Street or like whatever it was. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah, he took he took 12 points on me in the ACST. Uh, he, you know, he I threw a 123. He threw a 129. The only problem, the only game I was mad at, and I told him this, he. He lost the head pin and threw a 92, and then I lost the head pin and got a no mark 87. So that was the one game he gave me that I couldn't get. But then I ended up beating him the last game 116 or 109. But he, other than that one game, like he he fires the ball. I, what I noticed with him, he'll miss a couple like easy spares. Then all of a sudden it's like spare nine, spare nine, spare strike, and you're like, well, that was a 78 half that I'm not coming back from. Yeah. But again, that's going to come with more reps. But. So I had sent him a message again. I don't know if you know the story. I had sent him a message, um, and I guess he was taking a nap or something like that. And I said, uh, just a heads up, we're throwing you out of the semi-pro league after I saw you through a 649. He doesn't know me that well. I think he knows me a little bit better now. And he woke up freaking out thinking, he, he's what did I do? And he thought he did broke some type of rule, and he was legitimately getting thrown out of the league. He's like, my dad probably saw a post somewhere that I did something. He's like trying to figure out. And he messaged me, and I was like, you threw a 649. He's like, so I'm not really out? I was like, no. He's like, you scared me. So when he... You know, threw uh, 129 in my face and told me he was thrown out a second time. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that you do this stuff. No, to I do it to a lot of people. I thought for about a month that I wasn't going to be here doing this podcast <laughs> because I'd get to, oh, well, we're canceling it, this, that. Even today, I believe, I got a couple of those. So Yeah, but he'll say it with a straight dead face. He will, oh, like and that's the scary part. Well, the scary part is, is also your sister does the exact same thing. Yeah, she does. Oh, so it runs in the family. Oh my god! Well, like I, I forget, it, was, it was actually hilarious because she said it, and then I thought for a second, and I burst out laughing because uh, I forget she was asking about food or something like that. I'm like, oh, I said you can, oh, a breakfast sandwich next door. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I said I got. Like, you want to give a plug to Country Kitchen next door? <laughs> oh my god, awesome breakfast! If you come in here for Hour on the Bear, and or any tournament, we'll we'll say any tournament, but we'll roll into the old. How about yep. that? You come out to roll to the oldies, go next door to Country Kitchen, get yourself a breakfast sandwich. Yeah. And I mentioned, I was like, oh, I like to get the sausage, egg, and cheese. Uh, she goes, um, and I'm like, I add bacon to it. She goes, why would I get why would I get bacon? I'm like, bacon's delicious. She goes, can't have bacon. I'm Jewish. Getting out of it as a Jew right now. <laughs> and then she like stares at me, and I'm like, I, I. <laughs> You're doing what Danny does, doesn't, aren't you? And she just starts laughing. She goes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Runs in the family. Um, but what the funny thing about that, too, is like I'll try to on Kate, and she'll be like, you're not a good liar. I was like, no, I'm a fantastic liar. You just know me for 11 years, and you live with me, so she can pick up on all that stuff. Well, that's stuff. why I typically, when I don't know what you're trying to get at, I'll go and message Kate, <laughs> and I've done it multiple times. Like, what is your husband saying? That's my, I'll be, like, harassing him, and then all of a sudden I see her typing. I'm like, who are you talking to? She's like, Nichols. Like, don't ruin it for me. This is funny. She's like, oh, I already told him. And I'm like, damn it. But it's funny you mentioned Chris, because people like Chris is the exact reason why I wanted the host yeah, tournaments that's, that's closer to that. home. Yeah. Because there's a lot of guys like that that you don't hear about. Yeah. They think that 45 minutes is kind of a far ride to... They don't know what it's like. Right. There's another kid who bowled the um, the March Madness that John Pumphrey holds out there. His name was... He actually ended up winning. His name's Harry Rose. I had never seen him before in my life. He bowls out of Situate. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And I want to see people like that bowl in house, more right? events. Right. Pretty tough house. I've never actually bowled there. 
Well, that's one of the reasons that, that I like the ACST because I felt it, there's a lot of people like you brought up um, Sam Ladotti. He bowls in the ACST. And I know like uh, Logan, uh, Gring, I don't, I'm always pronouncing his name. Like Gingris? Is it Ging- oh, I've Gingris? Yeah, I thought it was Gingris. Gingris, Gingris. Yeah. He, so, Logan, let us know how you say your last name. So, <laughs> but... But there was those guys, and then I know some people were upset, and um, you know, hopefully nobody gets offended by this. But you have guys like uh, Dave Dorman and Chuck DeRozier bowling in the semi-pro division. That may be a little bit better than some of the competition that they're bowling against. Thank God they're in the North Division. Not doing me any good. I'm like the 15 seed right now out of 16. But um, I think it's kind of cool that guys that don't get the opportunity to bowl against the Dave Dormans and guys like that when Dave's averaging like 112-113 I like even a guy like Corey Lisi sent me a message I think about Logan he said you know I bowled against this kid or maybe it was, it was either Sam or Logan but he said this guy's really good and it was kind of cool to see that that it's, it's bringing up people that you're bowling against that you never would have had the opportunity to bowl when you're bowling the same people over and over again in your house league absolutely and I mean I did it for two years I'm not doing it this year but I feel that that same thing happened with me I didn't yeah. know many people they probably didn't know me and to go and be able to bowl I remember bowling Eddie Woodside at yeah. Central a place I never really bowl well in I bowled a 605 against Ed Woodside and took yeah. 12 points that's gotta feel good that's gotta feel really good and it did I've bowled Ed Woodside twice in the ACST once like in the regular season once in the playoffs out of 10 strings I have won eight of those strings and lost total twice. Wow. So you did that three times in a season then, right? Because then you do that you did that against um, didn't you do that against Cheech as well? Uh, Where you won four strings? Or was it the opposite? I don't that when you were at Wu-Tang. No, I won. No, yeah, same thing. I won That's four strings. Yeah, have... because that was, and Frank was so mad that we didn't stream that match. Yeah, you should have. Be- because Cheech beat me 682 to 670. You didn't throw a 700? Eat shit. Have you thrown a 700, Matt? Yes, I threw a 705. Really? Tell, at me, all, tell me all about it. <laughs> I threw a 705 at yeah, Portsmouth. Your teammate also threw a 705, yes, too, right? Timmy Douglas threw a 701 with like a 98 game so, thrown in there. So a team both threw 700s in the same day? Yes. And first, Jeremy, you have none. More impressively, <laughs> Tim Douglas threw 600 for four. That's incredible. He did. Yeah. I just like hazing him. I don't know if you... But we didn't make it out of the second round, so it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> Not a whole lot of people did. Um, but, but going back to, to that type of competition, like who are some of the guys at Timber, because we don't get a lot of Timber guys that we interview. At some point, we'd like to interview John. But uh, who are some of the guys that you see as those up-and-coming guys? Obviously, we talked about Chris McDonough. Who I can't stand right now. Actually, I, I showed him. I texted my wife Kate, and I said, "I hate this guy." I showed him that I sent that because no matter what I threw, I couldn't couldn't catch him. So there's one really important one that I think it's going to be a few years for him because he's only 13. Yeah. But this kid, Casein King, he's only been bowling for six months. Yeah. And averages over a hundred. That's crazy. And Does he I play other sports or just. I don't really know. I just started kind of getting to know him a bit. Because I heard about him. I finally went out to see him. They actually have a, a full kids' league on Saturday mornings that they run. Yeah. So I, I made it out on a Saturday morning and watched him. And I was just amazed. I've never seen a 13-year-old kid who has the accuracy, the composure. I mean, I bowled five strings with him after in practice. He didn't throw a box under nine. That's good pinning. That's and that's the more important thing right there. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when I was I was kind of a late bloomer with the bowling. Uh, when I was at you as well, Jeremy. But when I was a kid, I just 
I'd see someone throw it as fast as they could and just try to do the same thing. And if it didn't throw a strike, that, that, I didn't care. That, that I didn't want to do I it. would watch like all these adults. Like my father bowled on Sunday nights in like a mixed league. I'd watch everybody else bowl and like they throw a good box. I'm like oh, I'm gonna throw it like him. And like I tried like 97 different styles. Like I'm like oh this guy throws a nice like hook and I'm like and then Helen was like what are you doing? Like you're you're terrible. I, I had a kid in our kids league and if his parents listen, I'm sure he'll know who. It is too, but he uh, at one point he'd asked me. He said, uh, "Are you a better bowler than my dad?" And I said, "I don't know, probably." Cause his dad didn't bowl. I said, "I have a higher average." He goes, "Do you throw it harder than my dad?" And I said, "I don't know, maybe." So I threw a couple. He goes, then he, so he goes, "Yeah, you threw harder than my dad. How old are you?" And I think it was like 27, 28. He goes, "But my dad's older than you." Like that was his thought process. <laughs> my dad's older than you. He should be able to throw harder than you. <laughs> and it's funny because this kid, Case, and his dad also bowls, and I've yeah. bowled with the both of them. Most of the time, he beats his dad. Yeah. And he actually has an eight-year-old son. I just found this out. I watched him bowl actually last week. Kith was throwing 80s and 90s, and he's eight years old. So, so we're going to have both these kids on the podcast. So keep these years. kids in mind in a few years when they start <laughs> but, doing but good. Does, does he seem to really like it, and he's getting into it? He, I watched him. This is when I knew he was really into it. I watched him throw a nine drop. He left the 10 pin. No wood. He missed it by about an inch. He turns around and, you know, you have that look of anger. I saw him just so angry he missed that pin, and then he goes and gets it for the 10, and he was so happy and he made the 10. And then he and does what, like, usually what I do and throw the ball through it. Yeah, yeah. he pretty much, he hit it right in the face. Yeah. But I knew right then he was really into it, and they, they practice almost every single day. I go there a lot, and I see them there most of the time bowling. Uh, did, did you bowl a kids league at Timber? I bowled a kid. I started when I was six at Timber. Only, and the only reason I even got involved in bowling was because my brother joined the senior league, and because Big Brother did it. Yeah, Obviously, little brother has to do yeah. the same thing, so I joined the kids league there at six. So I'm assuming Phil ran the kids league. Um, so uh, Phil, Phil Hamrick was the owner, but uh, Frank Barker is okay. the one running the kids league. And we, at that time, when I first started, we had two different shifts. The juniors and the bumpers bowled at 9 a.m., and they took up all 24 lanes. And then the seniors bowled at 11.30, and they took up all 24 lanes. So there was a lot of kids that were bowling. How many kids do they have now in the league? I don't know exactly how many, but they fill up. 20 out of the 22 lanes. That's, I mean, we have 31 kids, and like we, you know, we've been building that from eight. I mean, I think anything you have is great, but you had told me like the first year you guys were like banging that out. I thought that was incredible. Oh yeah, and they do it different. They do it in 10 week segments. Yeah. So kids can come and go as they please. Some sometimes it's bigger than others. Yeah. But I mean, I want to say at least regularly they have probably a 40 to 50 kids. It's a great league. I mean, at this yeah. day and age, that's a great league. It's amazing because when I was my last year as a kid, we were down to four teams. Yeah. And two of those teams weren't even full. When we got there, half the parents were screaming at their kids to bowl as fast as they could so they Just could so leave. They get out yeah. of there. We, we, had a, we had a parent, and there's no way he listens to this podcast. We had a parent, actually, who used to drop his kids off and just leave. And the kids loved bowling, which that was the, the most heartbreaking thing. They only bowled in one year. Their brother and sister, and they loved bowling. And then the dad came back because he said he was going to watch them bowl after, like, ten weeks. And as soon as they were missing everything, they were nervous. And so I said, yeah, they're really liking it. He actually said to me and Kate, I thought they'd be good by now. No joke. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So... <laughs> I, and I, I think, in, and Jeremy Lilly's in the league too. Like we try to push a lot. Like you got to have fun in this league. Like <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's why. Like I don't tell her like anything. Yeah. Like I just I want her to enjoy, have fun, and then you know eventually if she 
wants like the instruction, I'll give her the instruction. Right. I mean, granted, I also let Kate do her thing, and because it's your it's your guys' league, it's not my job to step in and right. And but at the same time, on. too, and we've said this, like if, if there's only two of us, there's thirty kids. We're always open yeah. to you know if you see something, you know. No, I know, but the thing is, I want her to have fun every week and want to come every week before you know I'd be like. All right, so what you want to do on this shot is you're going to go over here, and you know, she's, and she's going to be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, because that's, if you're not having fun with it. Ultimately, that's what bowling is. If you're, you're here to have fun, right. whether you're bowling great and having fun, bowling bad and having fun, as long as you're having fun. Yeah. If you're not having fun, I don't know if it's maybe for you. And there, there is a right. balance with it where you see these kids, and some of them could care less what they're throwing. They just they go down there, they hop, oh, they can throw 27 straight gutter balls, and they're like, but I had fun. You're like, okay, but you can care a little bit <laughs> then you have other kids and we have one in our kids league and eventually he'll listen to this podcast and he'll know I'm talking about him that I've actually had bowlers tell me like oh yeah he's doing well little little, little bit of a hothead though like he, if he misses a shot he's immediately f-bombing and everything else um, and I'm trying to tell him like you can care and not lose your composure at the same time and I think some of it for him is he's just now starting to bowl with adults and he wants people to know that he cares and he wants to make sure, like, if he misses a shot, he wants people, like, he cares. He wants you to know he cares. But you got to bounce back a little bit. I'm not going to say I've never done that myself, but there's a lot of kids who get very angry. Um, one that's really calmed down is my buddy Josh yeah. Daly. He used to be really hot-headed. I've never heard that. <laughs> never, yeah. <laughs> but he's kind of calmed down. I calm down a lot. I still get angry if it's really bad, but not to nearly to the extent of kicking ball returns or things like that. I think for me is um, I've I've just I've been able to live with um, getting the spread eagles, getting the when you hit your shot and it just doesn't go. There's not a whole lot you can do. What gets me is when I'm just constantly missing my object. That's because that's me, and I think that's where I I get a little bit more heated. Um, and the example I gave is I was bowling a tournament up at Mason's and I threw four two fills. Two of them were garbage, 6'10, 6'10. Threw the half Worcester and then the last two fill I had, I hit the 1 9. And I stared at it and I turned around, it was Mike Nardona and Dean Sullivan. I went, I'm not even mad, I did my job. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, what are you going to do in those situations? Yeah, and I've kind of transformed myself into instead of taking the anger out on anything around you or yeah. I kind of try to take it out on the lane Yeah, I remember my first pro series event was actually at um, Lakeside and it was a doubles event my first box my first game first time bowling a pro series two I finished yes. that game with a 127 didn't Skip Did Eastbrook throw a two box on TV the live show was it the live show but it, he also I think it was I think he foot fouled he fou well I, I think he lobbed or what do you think it was a foot foul? Either way, it, it was something like that. I think he went like I think he went half Worcester, hole, and then foul. Then lobbed. Lobbed. Yeah, either way, lobbed. Or, yeah, some, yeah. But I'm, I, I think that was the live show. And then you had a three box, right? Yeah, but I hit three pit. I, I hit three pins with three balls. Now let me ask you: Have you had any gutter balls on TV? I was gonna get there. <laughs> um. The only thing I could that would be remotely close to that would be if I was shooting a corner pin and I missed it to either gutter side. But I mean, not like nothing egregious. But like, like you know, your first I, ball, huh? Like your first ball. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm 
going to go back to that in a second. You've bowled ACST where we, we do some of the streaming. You've bowled King of the Palace. Um, have you done, have you made New England Candle Pins before? I tried out, but I never made it. So you I'm bowled, waiting for it to come back. We, but, yeah, we are too. It's in the works. <laughs> but So you've bowled on some things that were quasi-televised, whether you want to say it's Facebook or YouTube. Or yes. Like that. Um, do you think that in those situations, um, and Jeremy, you probably know more about this, um, you don't, I don't remember seeing a guy on Channel 5 kicking the ball return. No. No, you never saw that. Although I guess Rosario used to get a little animated and swear in Italian. <laughs> do you think that when you're being filmed and you know what's going out there, you're more likely, it, it teaches you to keep your composure because you don't want to look like that person? I think that's part of the reason why I started calming down is because you don't want to be that person that's known for being a hothead. Yeah. Because then people just don't want to bowl with you. And, then that, and, that, and that's the thing. People are just going to be like, well, you know, is he going to throw pins away? Is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? Yeah. And, that, and that's the other thing, too. So going back to being a hothead and to the question you asked Jeremy, you threw a, a rough first ball. I thought it was the King of the Palace. I threw two gutter balls. One was on King of the Palace. And one was actually on Candlepin for Kids when they had the box against the pro. This was on Nesson, by the way. Uh, I threw a gutter ball against Craig Holbrook. That's my first ball. So what, what, what went through your head? I'm not trying to pick on you. What went through your head when that happened? Was it just, were you mad? Were you embarrassed? Like, did you... It's more so a funny embarrassment because... You think it's one of those things where you think about it way too much. Don't do this. Yeah. That you just ultimately end up doing it. Yeah. I just tried to laugh it off. I remember the one for King of the Palace. I threw the gutter ball, threw a half whistle on the left side, and then went through the hole. Two bucks. But then I came back. I, I don't remember exactly. I think I had three or four marks after that. Yeah. Though. So it's just short-term memory. Right. Come back and show them why why you made it there. There's a reason. And when I try to give people, you know, some advice or whatever, that's one of the things I say is whether you throw a strike or whether you throw a two-box, you have to have a very short memory in this game. I think you taught me that, Jeremy. Yeah. Where whether you got, you know, and I was bowling against a guy actually um, on, on this Wednesday League, and I happened to notice that it felt like every time he got a spare, we actually picked up pins on, on him because he couldn't fill it. And when he filled it, uh, there were low fills, and then he would have, like, a three fill for a six box. And if I could go 10-10, I actually picked up a pin on him. Right. So I gave him some tips about, like, staying in the back, resetting himself, and then the following string, he threw a 137 at me. And I said, hey, remember all that advice I gave you? Forget it till next week. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, my, my three box, first ball, I took out the two pin. This is against Vadney. Two pin. Shanked it left, took out the seven. And then I cherried the one. Oof. Three balls, three one, pins. One, one. I was, and I, not, I, I made a face, and Dan Murphy was just like, "Wow." <laughs> He's like, "But you came back with a hammer, though." Yeah, I did throw a strike, but I was, I was like, the look on my face was like, "What just happened?" <laughs> but yeah, you have to, but you have to keep compose, composure, because like you said, you're you're being televised or streaming or whatever, because that reputation is going to rub off. And it's funny you mentioned about the guy in the league. Because I bowled a league a few years ago over at Westgate Lanes in Brockton. It was just a fun league, whatever. I was bowling against this woman who threw a strike. She was jumping for joy. It was like the greatest thing that ever happened to her. She threw a zero on the fill. I throw a strike, and they they ask me, well, how come you don't get excited when you throw a mark? I said, well, I still have to fill it. It's still a 10. (laughs) I don't want to get overly excited and then end up throwing something bad and then... 
you're so, even worse than you were before. One of the fun <laughs> things about Candleman Chat and filming was uh, somebody took a picture. I want to say it was Rob Linehan took a picture, and I was standing there, and somebody said, it's, it, it's Finn's I'm a little teapot pose. And then Daryl wrote back underneath that he only gets, does that when he throws a mark. And I was like, do I? And I looked up. You could see it. I had a spare. And I sent in the case. She's like, yeah, every time you do that, you see one hand on your hip and you just stare at the ground. She's like, I'm a little teapot pose. <laughs> so, but it's the idea of you don't want to be sitting there and like high-fiving people or whatever else. Especially, it's one thing if it's at the half or at the end of a game. Or you throw a big hammer at the end to get pumped. But like you said, you it's a 10 until you fill it. And also, I notice when you do things like that, it kind of gets whoever you're bowling against. It kind Kind of gives them a little bit of a reason to do something else and yeah. go get a strike to kind of cut into your lead or something. Right. It can sway a match really fast when you do stuff like that. Yeah, if you can, and, and if you can get a mark when they don't, but it, even if you get a strike, they get a spare. It, it's pretty much the same thing as long as you don't throw a double. Right. The fills are pretty equal at that point. <laughs> that you know. Um, so. These are uh, kind of a two-part, two different people asked the question. Chris Waterman asked the question that you lost some weight. Uh, how has it affected your bowling at all? Some people say it, that losing a lot of weight really messes with you. Some people say it helps. How do you feel it's, it's affected your bowling? For me, it has helped tremendously. When I was younger, I'm, I'm always going to be, I've always been, and I probably will always be a little bit husky. <laughs> but I used to, when I was 14, I'd have knee problems. I actually went to physical therapy for my knee. Yeah. Just having tendonitis, I used to not be able to walk after bowling. Yep. Three games, I'd be done for three hours after that. You see, I can't bowl back-to-back days, similar. So now that I've lost a little bit of weight and it's turned into more muscle, I was actually working with uh, Mike Erickson over the summer landscaping, so a lot of that... Yeah. You gain a lot of muscle Just landscaping. <laughs> I can imagine. So... I don't have that problem anymore, and I can bowl more. I still and feel it, but it's not where I can't walk. So it's definitely helped. Now, as far as approach changes goes, Bob Lee said that uh, you you went from the middle to throwing over by the six pin. And also, why don't you touch the ball with your left hand? That is a question even I don't know the answer to. I'm sure it goes back to when I was a kid, I just saw someone do it, and they threw a strike, so I tried to do the same thing. Listen, we had a kid that, that bowled here that watched another bowler bowl and decided to put the ball through the TV, so don't always... <laughs> Have you ever heard that story? No. We had a, a bowler that was bowling. Um, he was little, little. He, he was an older gentleman. He was in his eighties, and like his in his in his day, he was a good good bowler, solid like one fifteen. But his knee was so junk. He had like uh, circulation problems. He couldn't like put weight on it. So he would literally just stand there and just throw the ball. So these kids are like, wow, he's really, really good. I'm going to do that too. Well, they didn't let go of the ball. <laughs> and it went straight up. Like, I don't know if you remember the old... They were the, the tube TVs. Like the I big, do remember the TVs. The big yes. monitors that we used to have here. And I was in the office and I heard this huge pop. I'm like, what the hell was that? Like and those two TVs can take a beating, so obviously. Yeah, well, the glass on—I don't know if you've ever seen like a broken one. The glass on that is like this thick. I mean, it's for shattered. those at home. <laughs> I, I, I have I have the picture in here somewhere, but I'll have to find it. But it I was like Jesus Christ, and the kid wanted to cry. Like I, yeah. I actually felt bad for him. Which, and if you remember too, I wasn't there for this, but if you remember too, like because we have some kids, we had a broken ball. It was right around this time of year too. Was it? Yeah, because it was February vacation. Because I think PJ was playing down at Victory Lane. That, well, I knew that. But, like, some kid broke a bowling ball thrown into one of the beams, like, two weeks ago. That was just him being a 
And well, and Marissa. Oh, walked, two weeks ago. I thought yeah. I was thinking. Oh no, no, this was recently. And Marissa went over because the lane obviously didn't work because the ball was broken in the back of the lane. And she's like, "You broke the the ball." And the kid goes, "Okay, just like that." But you were saying that kid was like super upset about it. Yeah. No. Like I mean, he was prepared to pay for a new monitor set, whatever. I mean, we didn't. We were able to get one from Hyannis, but. And then if I remember, yeah, because I think PJ wanted him to pay for it. Then he watched the camera and said, what did he say when he walked up? He said, how much do I owe you for the TV? And he said, all right, well, don't worry about it. So yeah, I think sometimes if you're contrite, people will let things go. Well, accidents happen for sure. Whether Right. They're... I mean, he wasn't, they weren't horsing around. They were, I mean, he was literally just standing there and just didn't let go. Oh, yeah, it all depends on circumstance. So... Uh, Dan, I'm going to mispronounce the name, Eveline? Eveline, yes. Eveline asked how you settle your approach. I settled my approach just watching people. I When I first started, I bowled like my dad, and he had a three-step approach. Yeah. That was just three steps straight down the middle, throw the ball. And then I saw my brother bowling, and he bowled from the back and to the right. Yeah. So I kind of mixed and matched in between there until I found something that I thought worked for me. So who is the cooler sibling? If you ask me, it's me. Well, John's not on the podcast, so... <laughs> he could be, but I at least for this podcast, it's you. we take a vote and it's me. I... But I'm also not married. I don't have a house, so <laughs> it might be him at the end of the Listen, day. this isn't the uh, Homeowners Association podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you grow up watching the bowling shows? I grew up watching um, the Comcast show. Yeah. Yeah, because not but, like that was on that was on early two thousands. I want to say that yeah, started like two thousands. Because I was born in nineteen ninety eight, so that's oh, stop, after Channel stop, Five. Just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> so that's after Channel Five, and we actually didn't have Comcast at my house, but we went down to my grandmother's, and anytime we'd go down there, she had Comcast. Well, at the beginning, it was hard to find. Yes, because like at first it was like on AT and T broadband it was like the, yep. the first season. I'm like, what channel? Like, is that a channel? Like, what is that? And it wasn't until it was on like CN eight or whatever it was. Yep. That where it was e- easier to find, but yeah, it, but I want to say it, they had the point system to start with. You remember that? I don't remember much about it because I was so young. Yeah. I just remember watching people bowling and going, "Ooh, that looks really cool." <laughs> but yeah, the first two or three seasons they did it based on a point system. So, at the like, you got X amount of points for a spare, X amount of points for a strike, points for winning a string, points for winning total. Like it was crazy. But, like I think Dave Dupuis made the championship show with like eighteen hundred points because he threw like a one eighty something. It was it was it was weird. It didn't last long. I think some of the bowlers were like, "This is dumb." I actually was watching one earlier today, and it's someone. All of a sudden, their name just popped into my head because I remembered it as a kid, Gene Gallagher. Gene. Uh, oh, that's um, Surratt's father-in-law. Yeah, he bowled a two, a two ten, and he to was get bowling... on candlepins for dollars. Yeah, and yeah. he was bowling uh, Sean Baker. Yeah, yeah, no, he threw that two ten, and he threw over seven hundred, mm-hmm. to, to to make that show, which that was great. I think he did that at Pilgrim. I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah, it was at Pilgrim. That's what it was. That was the show. It was candlepins for dollars. Yeah, I don't think he really bowled that much. No, and that's the only episode I could find of him, and. I don't know why his name just popped into my head today, but it did. Have you ever bowled somebody for a 12-pack? Yes, I've bowled Chris Jones for a 12-pack. <laughs> yes, I, like, I, I like lost. I most bowlers should be able to say yes to that question. I don't think I have. 
And I'm not going to bowl you for a 12-pack, Jeremy. <laughs> I will say I've bowled for money 30? more often. I'll bowl you for a beer. <laughs> okay. I've bowled for money more often in 10-pin than I have in candle pin. Really? Yes. Are you a better 10-pin bowler than you are a candle pin bowler? Well, I average 190 in 10-pin. Yeah, pin. but so so I don't know how still, that relates. I would say that's probably around... Maybe a maybe a 105 for Candlepin. Okay. I think so. Is I think, low? but it also depends completely on if it's a house pattern or a a sport pattern. A 190 in a sport pattern is like a 230 for league. You lost my brain. It's <laughs> way too much thinking. I don't want to I think a, about bowling. I gotta ask the obvious uh, 10 pin question. Have you thrown a 300? I have thrown a 287. Have you thrown a 300, Jeremy? 240. 240. I started actually. I started with a six bagger. My high single in ten pin is one seventy five, which is also my high single in candle pin. Actually, when we were at the Christmas party in Raynham, I was bowling with Susan, my wife. We were just like, oh, let's go, you know, let's go bowling. I'm like, okay. I'm like, do you want to do grab a candle pin lane or a ten pin lane? She goes, oh, let's do a ten pin lane. I said, okay. I threw a one ninety, and I missed a single. <laughs> like somewhere in the middle of the string and I ended up throwing a strike the next box so I'm like god damn it I'm like if I had picked up that single I'm like there's my 200 right there so I have another beer story that just popped up and if you weren't on your phone you didn't see it because it literally just came up um, so speaking of the coolest sibling oh geez supposedly you had a one ball roll off for a case of beer oh yes and I did lose a four to a three <laughs> yes and, and Matt threw second <laughs> eagle I don't remember. I remember bowling that, but I don't remember what I did because I just didn't want to remember it. <laughs> According to John, I'll make you remember it. John plucked the four pin, his brother, his cooler brother, uh, for this one night. He plucked four pins and he thought he had it in the bag and then hit the head pin and punched out three. So it must have been spread plus, plus one. He immediately went out and bought his big brother a case of beer. That's what he wrote on this. <laughs> uh, and we, we've had other bowlers talk about this before. Do you, do you struggle more than most hitting the... Uh, the nine pin drop? Nine drops are those things for most bowlers. It's one of those, oh, well, it's so easy. You kind of let yourself take it a little bit too easy. Yeah. In my mind, they're the hardest spares to make because you have such a little area to shoot at. So, so my, my grandfather argued me to the death like when I was a kid. He, he's like, that should be the easiest thing to hit. I'm like... Why? I'm like that makes no sense. Your target's three inches. And I said, and he's like, well, look at it. And we had a, a set of uh, old wooden pins that uh, Helen brought. Helen Some people argue you have almost a foot though, because you have both sides of the ball too. So that was that's my point. So like, my father had a set of wooden pins given to him by the owner of Fairway at the time when he was a kid. So he set the pin up. He goes, you got the pin here. He goes with the ball in front, and then you have, and he put two pins on either side. He goes, you have all this room to like work with. I'm like, it's six feet, sixty feet away. <laughs> you know who who told me that? Um, actually, it wasn't. He told me I was having to be bowling next to him. Was I was bowling at Fico's, and I was bowling at uh, Skip Easterbrook's team, and they had a guy on his team that was. Uh, if he threw a nine drop, it was the safest pin in America. He could not hit a nine drop to save, for a single to save his life. And every time he threw a nine drop, he, he threw the ball very, lobbed a little bit, but he threw the ball very hard. Um, and he, he threw a nine drop and started getting mad. And Skip said to him, single pins are the easiest spare and bowl, and if you hit it, it goes every time. And I, I try to think like that when I bowl. All I got to do is just touch the pin. Because I think a lot of it in this game is so... Upstairs. This game is 90% mental. Yeah, what do they say? Uh, the great late John Madden, 50% oh, of the game is half mental. Uh, or 90% of the game is half mental? Yeah. 
It's before your time. I know who John Madden is. I'm not that young. <laughs> He's played their video game. Did you, did you see the, the um, I think I shared it today. It's like, this is how long Brady's career has been. Oh, and it's from and it was like It was like PS1, like graphics to, to now. Yeah, or it might as well just be a picture of him. Um, so one of the questions that uh, Kate wanted to know, why do you keep throwing her off your team? I don't want to <laughs> throw Kate off my team. It's just, and you know this one time I asked her, yeah, she, but I was kind of in a predicament, and I needed to know fast. Yeah, and I've done that a few times, not just to her. And it was a birthday party for one of your kids. I yeah, forget so which one. He he texted Kate. I want to say it was on Madison's birthday, and then he te- so she didn't get back to him. And then he said, "I need to have an answer now." And she was, "Oh, then just tell him now," because she was in the middle of everything. And then like two seconds later, he had already filled his roster. But she did have a real serious question. What made you decide to run tournaments? You went over that, but do you have any words of advice for anyone else looking to start running tournaments? Reach out about tournaments. Reach out to people who have already done it. I know you already know. I've reached out to you plenty of times on advice yeah. I had a situation in my last tournament that I reached out to you first thing yep. to see what you would do in that situation and I think that's helped me a lot to make it a bit easier and I'm gonna to just piggyback on that I mean Jeremy helped me a lot even though he doesn't like to take credit for Outrun the Bear and even um, even even the one where I bailed out on the first Outrun the Bear still mad at you about that, that there was almost a crisis at the end of that that we can talk about off for, the air for, for 17 people yeah 19 <laughs> leave me alone no the one that had 17 people was the one that you lost to Brian Heffernan in the finals. You want to talk about that one if you want to bring up 17? You lost to Brian Heffernan in the, in the finals. finals. He's retired now. That didn't happen. Yeah, Jeremy's It didn't exist. That, 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 was, that, was a, that was a scrimmage. What was funny about that, too, is we actually lost the sheet on the final score, and Jeremy just kept saying, yeah, that's because it didn't happen. And then, like, two, three days afterwards, we finally found it. Brian Heffernan will never let you forget that, I'm sure. You know what the sad thing, and you know what, uh, and, and this this isn't a dig at Brian. I, I, I love Brian. But he... Yeah, but nobody knew who he was at the time. Well, either. that was, that was yeah. the thing. So... I mean, the story is I had, what was it, like a 17 to 20 pin lead going into the last five boxes, yeah. and Heffernan railed off like four marks in a row, and I did not. I, and he needed a four fill to, to win, I think, and I didn't even watch him throw the ball. Like, I was walking off the approach, I heard him like go of the ball, and I gave like the high sign like this. The whoop de doo. Like the whoop de doo, and then, and then splash, hammer. And I think I went up to him afterwards, I'm like, who even is he? Oh, I remember when you walked by me, I had two envelopes in my hand, first Sorry, place Brian. and second place. <laughs> and as Jeremy walked by, I saw the splash because I was looking, I was standing at the table, and as soon as Jeremy walked by, I just handed him the second place envelope, and he just grabs that out of my hand and keeps walking. But the other per, uh, person that I really have to thank, even though he, he didn't want credit either, was Tim Lipke, um, and Shane Lipke helped me a lot. Mostly Shane, actually, with um, the whole, even the prepaying thing. I know some people hate that, but I'm a big fan of it for multiple reasons. I mean, it saves time in the morning. Saves time in the morning. I mean, Jeremy, you saw it when we were trying to do it all at the beginning. It's every money's everywhere, and people are just throwing it. And not that I think PJ would just walk away. Yeah, (laughs) it's just like I don't know what this is. So there's just money everywhere, and then on top of that, there's actually two parts to it, and one is really specific to Outrun the Bear that actually um, name's going to mean nothing to you but a bowler Mike Kalari actually pointed out too he was a Friday night bowler that bowled here but I don't think he bowls anymore um, but the second thing is you're more likely to show up for a tournament if you paid yeah People you don't want to lose that money. Yeah. And are. I think I told you, I couldn't believe how many people were angry at me that I had them pay through the bowling alley instead of me personally. Yeah. 
That's I, a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it's a lot. I, I do it, but it's it, it's, a, it's a lot. I did not want to be responsible for over $6,000. No, yeah. no. And then no, the IRS is wondering why it came in and out so fast, and then I'm stuck paying the taxes. You yeah, no, the tax, that, that, so that, that, call, call me. I'll do your accounting for you. You're fine. <laughs> um, the, the, the other reason was, um, and a lot of tournaments don't have this, um, and actually she's going to be mad if she listens to the podcast, Marissa Ewing, who's bowling in, in your tournament on Kate's team. She was asking how the money worked. I said, it's an $80 entry fee for your roll into the oldies. And she goes, what are the buyback costs? And I was like, that's not a normal thing. That's that's very exclusive. You don't usually get to do that. that. That's an exclusive thing for one tournament. Unless you count, like, re-rolling off or something, that doesn't happen in, in other tournaments. <laughs> Unless you like, count ties. Yeah, <laughs> You exactly. go to, like, a TV roll off the, like... I want to bowl again. Like, <laughs> okay, how many How many buy... What's the buyback? Like I know. Another 30, 35? Can you imagine that? Like, your uh, your Chicha finals and, uh, <laughs> you know, Jeff Walsh turns to you. I'm buying back, Jeremy. <laughs> bowling again but uh, so basically what it, um, what Mike had pointed out was not that people weren't buying back before but I had noticed that the buybacks had shot up after we made people prepay and Mike was the type of guy that he was he, not that he wasn't a decent bowler but he didn't take this game like super seriously and he never he always said I would never buy back and then he bought back one year and he said I think it's because I paid you like a month ago so I've already written that money off where somebody else who just gave me $50 and then they get knocked out doesn't want to drop another 20 Absolutely. So I think that that's another thing too. But just it, I think just the idea that you know they're going to show up or the money's guaranteed. Even when I didn't, um, I couldn't make it to your tournament enforced because I had COVID. The way I looked at it was, especially because it was late notice, I said keep the money. You know, and that's just kind of how I am. And we and we've had people do that for for our on the bear as well. So, um, there was a question that was asked, but I'm not actually. I'll ask this one first, and then we'll wrap up Jeremy's always famous ending question. Uh, Paul Grant asked the question, what was your favorite bowling moment? My favorite bowling moment was probably winning the Phil Hamrick Memorial Tournament with my dad and my brother. That's when you sandbag, right? (laughs) According to a few people, yes, that's when I sandbagged, even though I bowled under average for that, and my dad had (laughs) one good game that got us over the edge. But something like that, I think, is just such a rare thing. I don't know how many people have that opportunity, and we're not really the you know, the lovey-dovey type of people, yeah. but it was a special moment for all of us. Might be you and maybe uh, Steve Reno and his dad went in some events too, right? Yeah. He was talking about... So and then yeah. add in a sibling. Imagine yeah. Steve Reno, Harry's Reno, yeah. and Steve Reno Jr. winning a tournament yeah. together. That's that's know, the way it felt to me. And I know Steve right. said he wants to win a lot. You know, he said, I wish I was better so I could win more with, with Junior was his big thing. But no, that, that, that's that got to be a, a big thing um, to do. So, Jeremy, you're famous. Yeah, I wouldn't really call it famous. But, I, um, you've asked like, it 29 times. <laughs> so, I mean, if you had to pick your favorite bowler to watch, somebody you looked up to, or just, anyway, like your I, You don't favorite. have to say me. Just, Are you anybody's? <laughs> I've been, so, we, so he's asked that question 29 times, and surprisingly, uh, I've come up zero times. Not even my wife. <laughs> yeah, no, just like if you had a favorite bowler to watch on TV or just, just anyone. Being from the South Shore, there's a lot of bowlers that are really good over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, for one, Craig Holbrook. Obviously, everybody knows him. Yeah. Bobby Witt. Um, Hugh Ferguson. I got to know Hugh a very short time before see, he passed I, away. See, I didn't, I never really, I mean, I've bowled, I've, I've bowled roll, TV roll-offs with him up at, up at Lita, but I didn't really talk to him. So I didn't really know him very well. In the short time that I knew him, I learned so much. And 
I mean, I've heard very good things. He was a great teacher, uh, Bobby Witt. The only reason I even made a pro series the first time I did was because I was bowling on a lane with him. Uh, Bobby is amazing. Bobby I've, I've never met somebody more excited to just even talk about bowling. He, he is, <laughs> uh, he is one of the, the like the gems of, yeah. of this game. And that brings me back to that car ride when I found out I was even doing this interview to be able to go up and did, just did, chat with them. Did you tell them when when I when you got the as soon as I got out of the car? I said, "Why? You're not going to believe this." Danny actually asked me to be on the <laughs> show, and I told him, "What? Do you guys run out of people to ask?" <laughs> but. All those type of guys, uh, John Zappi. Yep. I remember they had the, um, what was it, the MSSCT? The, like the South Shore Tour? Yes. Yeah. And they were actually at Timber one day after the Kids League, and I remember going up to John Zappi. Oh, my God, hi! <laughs> you know, just guys like that, Lou Albergini. So one of the things I think is really cool about this I feel this like we game, need to have Lou Albergini. Yeah. You need to one. have Lou Albergini. But I, <laughs> you like, need the, to have Albergini. One of the things that I love about this game is in a lot of sports, unless your name is Tom Brady, you don't have a 22-year career. Like, you, your career is usually what? What's an average athlete? Like, 8 to 10 years? You can watch your idols play this game, and then a few short years later, you're on a lane with them. That doesn't happen in a lot of sports. I never would have pictured 10 years ago that I'd be bowling on teams with John Zappi, Craig yeah. Holbrook, Bobby Witt, and having them ask me to come back again yeah. to bowl again. I mean, so. even, even like this late in, in my career, if you asked me five years ago and said, you're going to bowl two pro series events with Craig Holbrook, and then he's going to ask you to bowl a third one, I would have told you you're nuts. Because I don't typically bowl with those guys. Yeah. They always had their groups of people that they bowled with. And I just bowled with my friends, which was great. I enjoyed myself. But at the same time, I'm starting to get to that point where I'm like, I want to, I want to win. Like I want to start winning. Yeah, uh, and, and when giving I giving myself that opportunity. When I first started bowling, you know, I got thank, I thank Brian Hefferton for really getting me to know more people. Mm-hmm. I thank uh, Pete Ricciatelli actually for getting me involved in the Friday Night Pro League. He introduced me to Rich Lamone, yep. and I ended up bowling with them for a year. But I bowled on a lot of teams that. If we didn't get last place, it was like, hooray. (laughs) So now it's nice to be able to... And to be able to captain teams. I was, I, I know you would ask the question, but once you started saying it, what was it like, you're 23 years old, you captain, because we talked about Nate Lees being a very young captain. I mean, they took the whole thing home, but what's it like being, what were you last year, 22 running? 22. Running a mixed worlds team yeah. captain. What was that like? It's really interesting because I don't view myself as the greatest bowler or anything. I don't view myself as the most popular bowler, but it's nice to have people interested in bowling with you yeah. and want to win with you. You know, I get to bowl with kids that I've bowled, well, they're not kids anymore, but Tim Douglas, Scott Douglas. Yeah. Uh, this year for my team, I'm bringing on Becky Halbadell. Yeah. Uh, another great bowler out of Timber that you've never seen and you will know after Mixed Worlds is um, Brittany Underwood. You'll get to see her soon. She's about 100 average. Um, Just to be able to bowl with all the people I grew up with and win things together is awesome. I'd love to have my brother go up. for like 20 years. I, I mean, I'm excited for Saturday. I'm bowling with Sean Taylor up at the doubles. This is the first time we've bowled a pro series event together. And, I mean, that would be really cool. I mean, we've been, yeah. you know, almost like brothers for the last, God, 15 years. 15, almost what year is it now? 2022. Yeah, yeah, so about yeah, about 15 years. We, like the three of us, me, him, and Joe, have been like 
best friends for like ever. And I think it's going to be cool too when you start to see more and more timber guys too because I can tell you like, you know, it, it may not seem like a lot but the other day we had, uh, I noticed there was four ACST matches going on and I think, I don't remember exactly the lineup but it was Chris McClellan was bowling a match, uh, 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 Rob Linehan, Sean Taylor and Justin Waters. They're all Mills can you, guys. Can you not bang the table please? That wasn't me. That wasn't you? No, that was him. Can you not bang the table please? <laughs> I'm not banging the table. Oh, I thought it was you. That's the only reason. Taylor is always the ankle like a manly man. <laughs> and they were bowling against it was Coachy, Peter Penny, uh, Jim Hunter, and Corrado Penny. And the Mills guys swept. And it was cool to see like eight. And I even wrote on the thing. Team Mills showed up to. I mean, granted they were all individual matches. And now that you mentioned it, I just remembered another name that I know is interested now in bowling more stuff. Dan Esdale. Yeah. He wants to do the semi-pro. He was a, he's a ten-pin bowler. Yeah. Who started bowling candlepin again. Yeah. And now he's really getting into that. He did the pro series up at Exeter. He started out with a 130, but then kind of fizzled out. But you're gonna see more guys like that now that they're getting more exposure to tournaments closer to them, I think. I'll tell you, I, I It's kind of like how Kyle Heady is here. Yeah, Heady. Heady. <laughs> he corrected us, it's Kyle Heady. Heady. But I like, I love the ACST League. It's one of the reasons that I volunteer to, um, I always say I borrowed it from Frank until he wants it back. Um, but I'll tell you, the the, the pros are, are, are great. I love watching the pros bowl, but the excitement of the semi-pros is out of this world. Especially, I'm getting messed up. Hey, I'm a 102 average. I'm really interested in signing up next year. How do I do this? It's, it's, I mean, the idea is, well, at least from what I, I understand, is to help them get to that next step. Yeah, because a lot of times you don't get that opportunity. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to bowl in this Wednesday Night League, which has some great bowlers. But if you're bowling, and a, a Kyle, we'll use Kyle again, he was bowling in a Tuesday Night League where there's some good bowlers in there, but there's a lot of 60, 70, low 80 bowlers in there. And you're not, you're not even if you have a few good bowlers, you're not bowling against them week after week. The after competitive, the, the, the match competitiveness, I don't think, is really there. Right, and then so. To do and that's AC- not a knock on the league. Right, it's just. How but he jumped is. to Wednesday, signed up for the ACST, and then all of a sudden, I mean, uh, he bowled against Steve Reno senior last week. Actually, when I was bowling McDonald, we we paired up. It was on Sunday, and I think he was down fifty pence against Reno, and one total because he threw a three sixty of the back three. I think wow. he went one eighty something and then finished with a five forty six. And that's something nice. really good to see. I don't. We do a lot of stuff for the pro bowlers, but yeah. I don't know if we do maybe as much for those semi-pro guys. And I know we were talking. Yes. I was floating ideas to you about like a, a semi-pro series. I like that idea. And I want to get events going on with that. That's obviously a long way away for me, but that's something else I've been thinking about. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know if he's told you about it, but no, actually getting we getting don't talk as much as we used to with uh, somebody leaving. Oh, us. now that he's abandoned the Ryan ship. <laughs> I had to hey, I had to make my my daily twenty outgoing phone calls today. <laughs> you know how hard it is to annoy people like each day they're like oh, Danny doesn't. Just <laughs> <laughs> That was good. That was, <laughs> that, really, that was good. really good. No, like I have this list of like customers that I have to like open orders that we have to like call, right? And they're like, "All right, just go through your orders again." I'm like, I'm "Like I just called this guy like three days ago. He's gonna shoot me." Like, I, "Hey, your window's here." Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's great. You told me on Thursday and on Wednesday. I'm letting you know again. I'm like, but but if I get the most outgoing calls, I get a free steak dinner at the Federal in Waltham. So, so I'm gonna call you tomorrow too. So, <laughs> so you know what? Even you know what? I'll call. We'll talk about football how about yeah. that <laughs> hey you never know some of these people might be happy that you call I mean for one thing it's not calling but posting I could post how terrible my scores are and Paul Grant great job <laughs> I love it it makes it better there's no way I'm the top poster on Candlepin Chat anymore 
No, I, I don't uh, think so. I is know I've been getting up there. Can, can you get those metrics? Like, like Bromberg. I'm sure Bobley has them. Bob, yeah, I was going to say Bromberg's going to be up there. But I run the Bears season's coming up, so you never know. I know. I'm going to have to up my game now if yeah, you're getting involved. We're going to start competing. I, t- I actually toned it down lately because I'm like, I've been posting way too much. I'm getting into Danny territory. Well, I used to compete with Cheech, and where'd he go? Yeah, no, Cheech hasn't really posted much. Yeah, I, Cheech has his own battles going on. I think so. I think uh, Cheech and I had to give the, the reins to the new guard <laughs> as far as posting Gotta goes. Got to pass the torch. Yeah, we're getting too old for this posting game. <laughs> I mean, you're lacking on your polls, and we need a poll for polls yeah. to make sure if we should make a poll. Then <laughs> I'm in. Let's do it. Let's have a poll about that. I'll go back. So, Matt, thank you so much for coming in. Really appreciate it's it. It's been an absolute pleasure. That that was a quick hour, man. That 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 went... A lot faster than if, if, than if he keeps, uh, you know, if he keeps running these tournaments and uh, you know getting some more wins under his belt, we're gonna have him on pretty soon again. I think. Yeah, I I, I think so. He's uh, he's definitely, you know, an up and comer. You know, not even just bowling, but like like we talked about hosting tournaments and getting more involved in that side of the game as opposed to you know the just the competitive side. Yeah, it is tough being on on both sides of, of uh, the fence on that one. Being you know somebody running tournaments and bowling, um, and you know and, and and winning his own tournaments. I haven't had the uh, luxury of doing that just yet. <laughs> no, no, so. that, that's tough to do. I mean, when you're running one and bowling in it at the same time, that that's that's almost it's almost impossible to win. I try not to bowl in as many of my own things anymore. It's just it's too much. I don't know how people do it. I have no idea how people do it. It's it's not it's not easy, and then when you do do it, it it you don't usually do well. So I, I know I don't at least. So we had a couple of highs um, and some new champions this week we wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, yeah. You sent me a picture sh- of um, yep. Ryan Duplessis, I believe it is. One one thirty four. He said right. Yeah, 134. So he, he threw 326. I don't know if that's his high triple or not, but 113, yeah. one, uh, 113, 79, 134. I mean, that's. That was a roller coaster of a night. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what his average is, but. Yeah. You know, hey, whenever you knock down those high singles. Definitely. I mean, kudos to him for that for that high, uh, now, that high single. It, it's funny when, to beat your high single by one. When I beat. So my my history of high single, I had a 126, and I threw it five times, either four or five times before I broke it. Literally, just kept hitting the same number over and over again for highs, and then all of a sudden, my high single jumped from one from 126 to 141, no 130s, just right to 141. Right then, it was 146, and then it was 175. Right. Did you did, when you hit your high singles? Were they jumps, or did you kind of like knock them down little by little? Um, I think as a kid, they were. Little by little, you know, I'd throw like a 117 and then I'd throw like a, a you know, 120 something. Then I'd throw a 130 something. But then my last year in the kids league, I think I was probably 15 or 16. You know, I threw a 150 for a 365. I was like, wow. I'm like, holy wow. crap. Like, yeah, I was, I was like, wow, dude, that, that's, that's pretty cool. I think it was like almost like at that point where I was like, wow, like I, yeah actually be able to do like okay and then i forget when when it had at some point after that maybe like a couple years later i threw a 160 it's like all right it's always good when you get the new like 10 spot changed yeah 
And then for and then at a channel 50 qualifier, which I mean, I think I made the finals, but it was just a qualifying round. I threw a 177. It was like so yeah, so at that so point yeah, it was so, like, so chunks, right, it seems like. Yeah. So and now your high is what, 196? 196, which was and it ended up being like five years later. And was, yeah, was that right after the 77 or not right after, but like was there anything between that between the two times or um, did it jump another think- 19 pens? A few 70s. I think I had, I don't know if I hit 80 at that point. I feel like I jumped, I jumped from like the 170s to the 190. And then I think after yeah. that is when I started throwing more, you know, throwing a few 70s. And then I, I've had uh, four or five strings in the 180s. Yeah, see, so I'm about 20 pins below you in this story. So I did this, I jumped from 40 to 70 yeah. and then backfilled with 60s and 50s. I think I've thrown 360 something, 67, 63, and a 62, I think, and then a handful of 50s and a bunch of 40s. So, but um, but it's always cool to see high singles. And I think, you know, just keep knocking those down. That's how they're going to go. Uh, another big high single. Um, and then I do have to let her know that uh, she was upset for the wrong reason after the fact. So she, uh, Nadia Robinson from our kids' league. Throw a 127 nice. for her new high single. Here's where I found out she got a little upset. The high single for girls in our kids' league is 128. And she was very oh. upset that she was two pins away. And I don't know if she knows this, but she did not throw it during the kids' league. She threw it during the Sunday adult league. So, Nadia, if you threw a 129, it would not have gone on the board. Oh. It, it only goes on the board if it is during the kids' league. That's the rule. We've set that up. So, like, when Matt's pulling, you know, subbing on Wednesdays or Marissa subbing on Wednesdays, it does not count unless you do it during the kids' league and not on a pre bowl. That is the only way to get your name up there. Ah, uh, gotcha. So, but I mean, it's still good to get it. I still understand where for self pride to take that number down, but it, it has to be thrown. Not if you're listening, it has to be thrown uh, during, during Saturday's kids' league. So, gotcha. Maybe save you some frustration over those two pins. So, a uh, couple of the different champions. You were telling me New King of the River. New uh, New King of the River took his title back. Rob Brown took down Caitlin Britton. Uh, she had a pretty good run. She I don't know. She went three or four weeks. I think it was uh, yeah, three or four weeks. Yeah, looking bad. Yeah, it was three. Yeah, it was three weeks. As I look at Riverwalk's Instagram. Um, you know, kudos to Rob. Getting, now I got to get Instagram. You don't have to get Instagram. Well, now how else am I going to know who won? I don't know. You make fun of me for having Instagram. I have TikTok. I can't. I, I, I can't judge <laughs> anymore. Uh, yeah, we, we have that. Uh, Pro Series doubles at Lita. Austin. Well, before we get into that, we do have a new. Before we get into that, we do have. Cause we have a new King of uh, King of the Hill at Masons. Uh, Anthony Karen had that. You know, big what was his 34th title we go from somebody a 35 34 time champion to a one-time champion bob lee takes down uh anthony karen in a epic fashion anthony had the opportunity to beat him he threw a spare nine to tie ten to win eight. Oh no that hurts so, but what what a hell of a run! Uh, I mean, I know it's the one time, but just to put yourself in that position, and we've all been there. I just lost a match uh, against Rick Kamrowski Wednesday night with a I had a fill to make, and I threw it right down the middle for a spread eagle. So they hurt, but you you did what you had to do, and you were you're right there, Anthony. So don't hang your head; you'll be back next ne- uh, next month. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, we had the uh, Pro Series doubles at Lita. Uh, we have, uh, I believe, both first 
first Pro Series titles, Austin Barnes and Nick Leach. You want to talk again, young guys, and 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 who they, they beat? Uh, Evan Riva. Evan Riva, who the literally bled all over the lane. Oh my god! I was going to say he's got to he's got to be. They have to give him some trophy for that. I, I was talking to uh, Steve Reno Senior about that, and he said he actually cut his finger open at least. So he said, "I guess I'm not the only one to bleed all over their lanes." But that, I, I don't know how he, Evan. I don't know if you're listening, but you. I can't, I wouldn't have been, I would have, I could see still bowling, but my drag foot would have been so far in the air, every single ball. Oh, absolutely. Do you see the video? It's tough to watch, man. I, I have never seen, like, at what point, like, was it, I mean, was his shoe already like that? Did he have one of those toe, like, guard things on? He did. He had the guard on, too. But yeah, ripped the shoe, ripped the sock. I mean, somebody else posted it. it was a Kurt Schilling moment. Now just don't post super offensive stuff on Twitter. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. But congratulations to Austin and Nick. Like, it's just it's good to see. I think somebody wrote, and I'm I'm sorry I can't give you credit because I don't remember who it was. It's with seeing these young guns winning. It's got it's good to see that the game's going to good hands. You know. Yeah, definitely. Billy Bloom made a nice post on Candle and Chat about um, about that. Yeah, it's just, it's so it's so great to see him. And you know, I was having this conversation again with with uh, Steve Reno, and it's about just this the Candleton. It's such it's the family aspect of it, where it's we're all we're all competing, but we're all in this together. Like just it's it's um, really really good to see. And you know, you know, everybody has each other's back and things like that. So, yeah. um, speaking of of family, we did we did lose a, a great one. Yeah, that 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 was a tough one, and. You know, obviously, like the Candlepin community lost uh, Dan Murphy, who I still say is arguably the most talented person in the game in all facets, like of the game. I mean, yeah. I mean, he had his hands in everything, and he did it an astonishing level. Oh, owned a bowling alley, uh, competitive bowler, competitive broadcaster, ran ICBA. I mean. And in some ways, you know, I, we try to let that. And I think this is back to that whole family thing. Dan was also very big on teaching the youth how to bowl and yes. bringing that next level up. And I think in a lot of ways now that baton is in all of our hands now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I unfortunately I never had the opportunity to bowl with him because by the time that I got into the, the the pro circuit he was kind of laying off he wasn't really bowling he was focusing more on Boutwell's. but yeah you know i've sat with him at nba meet countless nba meetings um i was fortunate enough to make a few of the comcast shows you know and got to sit you know be interviewed by him and it's it's been it, it's a pleasure i mean it, you got to put him in the top five of all time i'm sorry like i i think you have to and he's um, two-time Hall of Famer, correct? Two-time Hall of Famer. Because for his um, ability and, I believe, the President's yeah. Cup for um, contributions to the game. So um, another one that it just seems, unfortunately, it seems like we're doing too many of these. Um, but, uh, you know, it, this this one hurts, you know, hurt, it, it, it's a big loss to the Candleton community. Yeah. And, it, so. I, and I had reached out to him a few months ago. Um before I knew it was, you know, really, really bad. And, you know, he, yeah. just said, he just said, you know, he didn't have the strength, you know, but if anything changes, he would let me know. Cause it was something he wanted to do and I'm kicking myself for not reaching out a lot sooner. 
So there is a podcast that he did with Ali Chat. I believe that's video and everything. Um, the biggest thing I can say is if you want to get some insight into Dan Murphy, check out the Ali Chat with uh, Frank and Kyle where they interviewed uh, Dan Murphy. And then also, of course, you, you cannot watch enough Dan Murphy's Guide to Better Bowling. Have you watched, um, have you watched that interview? I ha- I ha- it's been a while, but I'm definitely going to go back and watch it again now. It's, it's an excellent, excellent interview. It actually, that interview happened after Kate and I went in for our certification. Kyle and uh, Frank were both there. Right. Um, and we left and they did the interview. Yeah. So maybe that's where my aspirations of podcasting began. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So that's all I have. That's all I got. All right. Till next time.